Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Kaleidoscope listeners. Guess what? We are closing out season one next week. We do have a special bonus episode that's going to drop later this summer. But in the meantime, we're gearing up for season two, and we need your help. We're still looking for funding. If you want to help keep this podcast going, please consider supporting us at any level. Even a few dollars a month goes a long way. Our Patreon account is Kscope Pod. Or if you have any funding leads, please email us and or make those magical introductions. You can reach us directly at kscopepod at gmail.com. Thanks, friends. Every week, um, I remember like this woman, her name was Mother Mercy. She brought these um, like candies for the children at like children's church. This is Jade Perry. Listeners, you probably recognize her voice from last week's mini episode. I'm sure this wasn't sanitary, but we all just like put our hands in like in the bag of candy <laughs> and it was like usually like gummy, so it was like sticky oh and gosh. messy. But it was also really delightful and it was also really sweet. Mm-hmm. And like that to me was social activism. Mm-hmm. Knowing that in this community, like there's a need for sweetness. I'm Deborah Jianli, and this is Kaleidoscope. This moment from Jade's youth, it's informed the social activism of her adulthood. Jade is a queer Black American woman who's been learning how to best show up for her community while dealing with the realities of chronic illness and disability. In last week's mini-episode, she touched on this by explaining spoon theory. Side note, we were floored by how many listeners responded and resonated with this. Shout out to all our Spoony listeners. Okay, so let me tell you about Jade. Jade is the person at the party that you immediately notice because she always wears the dopest glasses. And she does amazing work. She co-founded Mystic Soul Project, an organization that combines mysticism and activism while centering people of color. She writes and speaks about chronic illness and how that intersects with race and spirituality. Oh yeah, she's also a tarot card reader and an emerging herbalist. We start the interview at a major turning point in Jade's health. Picture Jade at a retreat deep in the wilderness of Pennsylvania. There was this creek, I remember, and there was like this gravel walkway. And I remember stepping on one of the pieces of gravel and like this pain just kind of shot up my foot and like all the way to the back of my hamstring. And I thought that it was just because I stepped on the gravel maybe the wrong way, like... I don't know. I thought maybe I kind of twisted my ankle in a weird fashion. Mm -hmm. So I kind of ignored it. 
And then about two minutes later, it happened again. So I went back to my college dorm. And that was really one of the hardest walks that I've ever taken in my life. And I called my mom and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, why can't I walk? Uh, my mom was like, it sounds like plantar fasciitis. Um, so let's do ice and, you know, ace bandages and so on and so forth. And then maybe a week or two later, it started happening in my other foot, too. Oh, gosh. So it had gotten so bad, I was reliant on an assistive walking device. And at that period of time, I was using a wheelchair a lot more often than I do now. About two or three years later, I got a uh, accessible parking pass. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because there are some days where, like, I pull up with my parking placard and nobody says anything because when I get out, I get out with my cane. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other times where, you know, through a series of the sun is shining, it's <laughs> warm outside so my muscles can you know, breathe. I didn't take as many steps the day before and I'm able to walk into wherever I need to go. And that's where you get the stares and the questions and the looks from people. Yeah. And do you ever like second guess yourself and think like, well, maybe I should like pull out my cane for like the show. You oh, know absolutely. What I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And the thing is for me, you know, again, I'm a black woman in America. Right. And I've had some scary incidents where people would come up to my car, particularly white men. Oh, my gosh. Would come up to my car and be like, you don't look disabled. You're like using these resources. You know, that that whole like trope of like, you know, black women using Mm -hmm. (laughs) resources as a scam or whatever. Not that like, oh, no, she actually needs this. And, of course, my perception of age as well. Um, a right. lot of people are like, well, you're young, so you're not <laughs> you're not disabled. I just can't believe people like, I mean, I do believe it. But it's, <laughs> it's I know that this happens, but it's like, where do those filters go? <laughs> like, what I happened mean, yeah, to you? <laughs> it's, it's wild because, you know, a part of me is like angry, but then another part of me is like, we're at Target. Like, don't you have things that you need to be getting? Like, <laughs> instead of being in my face. So right. it's a strange dynamic. And I guess it plays into like all the misconceptions about what ability and disability are mm-hmm. and what it looks like and who has it mm-hmm. and who deserves accommodations and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's like someone needs like some kind of like visual proof. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why do you need proof in the first place like right. how is this your business <laughs> right and that's where I always land <laughs> right it seems like you've had many years to process mm-hmm. this and you've had multiple health issues come up how do you process it today hmm. so I was diagnosed with PTSD in 2017 and it was almost like getting used to my body all over again the sensitivity to light the sensitivity to sound the nausea, stomach upset, sweats, all of those different kinds of things. And the way that I process it is really just not fighting against my own body and trying to aid my own body in the healing process. And what that looks like is not beating myself up about, you know, what I have or do not have. Yeah, I think it's really interesting just to hear you say, like, you try not to beat yourself up about it because I feel like there's this narrative that, like, if you have some sort of illness, 
like everyone's trying to figure out like what you did <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, have such a misfortune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember like getting tired of explaining my traumatic brain injury to people because some people, one, they didn't believe how traumatic it was. Mm-hmm. They're like, really? You, like you can't do anything. You have to be like in a dark room. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really can't do anything. And then other people were just like, looking for ways to blame me for what happened like well why were you playing soccer it's like mm. why not mm. like like someone hit me with their car like why were you there it's like i was driving my car someone else hit me i right. was not at fault right. like do you experience this kind of intense questioning in in like relationships <laughs> not not like strangers on the streets but like people you actually like know and care about like do any particular memories stand out do i experience this questioning by people who are close to me now no, because I've set up boundaries yes. around those things. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened before, and that doesn't mean that setting up boundaries is an easy thing. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, when my grandmother was still alive, it's funny because she was a very religious woman, but she was also a very kind of mystical woman, and she kind of she believed in the life of spirits, is mm-hmm. what I'll say. And so I remember my first ailment, <laughs> there would be times where I would be spending time with her or I would be at her house and like say I fell asleep for a nap or something like that. Like I would wake up and she would have like anointing oil on my feet. Just like <laughs> I think I could take that because it was my grandma and we had a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that it wasn't slightly irksome. <laughs> right. Because it was just like, here's the thing, like this happened because of the way that my body is. And apparently it was only a matter of time before my body did this specific thing. Hmm. And so it was hard to get her to kind of understand that. And then you do face the disappointment of like, this is a chronic thing. It'll go in, it'll go out. And that doesn't have anything to do with like how hard you're praying or like what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. <laughs> right. Um, that That's how my body is. So I think when I was more involved with like church life, I would get more of those questions. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah. Wow. Like around like, oh, you know, have you been like praying enough? You know, maybe you need to do a fast. <laughs> like, and then like miraculously you'll be cured or you'll be healed. Right. I do believe in, in miracles, but I don't think that... <laughs> I don't know if we were on the same page of what miracle meant in real time. Right. And there's like an implication that you are not doing enough of something. Right. That's, right. that's why that miracle doesn't feel as like <laughs> something you're, yeah, something you can really receive. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm involved in more, you know, circles of mystic spiritualists, like, we'll put these crystals on your feet and like take these two deep breaths and and it's like cool but I don't use those things as a way to like invoke a miracle Mm -hmm. you know in terms of I think I do it more as something that's spiritually that grounds me and because you know by way of gaining spiritual grounding I'm just more open to the information my body's giving me around like what I might need to do I especially love what she said about using spiritual practices to open herself up to what her body is saying. It's something we can all learn from, whether we're part of a formal religion or not. 
It actually got the Kaleidoscope team thinking about the practices that help us tune into our bodies. Practices like meditating before bed or lying on a park bench and soaking in the sun, shining through the leaves. We also love long walks in nature, praying, swimming, yoga, and practicing mindfulness throughout the day. I'm curious, like, what are some of the practices you lean on to listen to your body? We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on social media. All right, it's time for a short break, but stick around because when we come back, we are taking you to an emotionally charged strip class. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the show. Before we jump back into the interview, I'm going to set you up for what you're about to hear. All right. I want you to picture Jade walking into a dance studio. She's taking an all-day intensive striptease class that emphasizes emotional exploration through sensual floor work. The room is dim and moody, lit with red lights, The sounds of Chicago whisper in the background, like a phantom. Jade and her classmates begin the day together, eating fruit, laughing over stories, and stretching out their bodies. And throughout the day, they put on new outfits and then strip them off as they work to explore different aspects of their sensuality. And then the mood shifts. The teacher... Rashida Kanbe Miller lights sage and she lets the smoke trail through the room. I'll let Jade tell you the rest. So we got to a moment where, you know, we did some exercises in stripping for sensuality. Mm-hmm. But then Rashi was like, so now we're going to like strip for like grief. We're going to work towards the grief end of the spectrum and her theory was that like if we don't lovingly attend to the grief that we carry it can be hard for us to unlock other ranges of feeling including sensuality Hmm. so I had a dance partner and we're stripping and she's like I just want you to kind of think about like whatever you want to strip off of you and so I just wanted to kind of like get rid of some stories that I was telling myself about this traumatic event so I was you know stripped that off what were the what were the stories you were telling yourself 
that things were my fault, that I could have done more to prevent what happened, and yeah. was just like, I don't know, like, from, am I worthy of a medical leave, right? Mm-hmm. And so... It was really ironic because I'm like in this like dance studio. It was stripped down to like a bra and a G string. Mm -hmm. And then there's some choreo that was very tender, very embracing. Mm -hmm. And from that point, you could freestyle in terms of whatever you wanted your partner choreography to be. Mm -hmm. And when we got to that part, I just literally broke down crying, like snot crying, like Mm. all tears, just a mess. And it's fun. It it was wild because I had this dance partner. (laughs) And did you know each other well? No. Oh, wow. We didn't know each other well at all. Wow. So I had this dance party that's like trying to figure out how to negotiate. Yeah. How, do I finish this? What, you know, what do I do? Thankfully, she was so gracious. So she just kind of moved with the moment. And it was a really beautiful moment because she almost kind of like, she got really close to me and then helped my body almost finish out the song wow so for example like if i was sitting on the ground like maybe on my knees she would come behind me and like you know sway me Mm. um or you know if she did an extension of a leg or a hand you know she would invite me to also extend with her Mm. so it was really healing in this it was a very kind of symbiotic moment Um, I think all of that kind of happened and it did feel almost like an exorcism of grief and of the internalized ableism that I was holding on to. Like Hmm. when you're telling yourself, I need to heal faster so I can like be this kind of worker. And, you know, I'm the co-founder of a nonprofit. So, you know, Mystic Soul needs me to show up in these ways. Mm -hmm. And my co-founders love me and I love them. And they weren't putting that expectation on me. but internalized ableism does make you think of those things and does make you question those things. How can I fit my body into a more acceptable version of capitalism? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, It's so interesting. Like, why do you think that experience, that movement, stripping, being with a partner, music, like that whole context, like why do you think that enabled you to have this revelation? I think it's just because I was so far outside of my comfort zone that like when you're in those spaces, I believe your mind has some expansion, a little level of expansion for you to think new thoughts and tell yourself new stories. And there were some stories that for me are and were too traumatic for me to give words to, but my body could tell that story. Yes, I'm chronically ill and yes, I have disabilities, However, my body still tells stories Hmm. and the stories that my body tells are worth hearing and viewing regardless of whether they look like an able-bodied norm or not. And I love how you say like my body has a story to tell because that gives your body like humanity yeah, you know yeah. it's not just like this device I that carry you... this thing around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly exactly I love that. And I know that you write a lot about mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. How did you begin to encounter Zen Buddhism? Ooh, I met Sojourner uh, Zenobia. We worked together on a variety of different art projects. And every Monday, she has a meditation for Black women and femmes. Hmm. And there's a little bit of, like, talking and ritual 
there may be incense burning there may be you know the yoga mats and the cushions are all out and sometimes she'll lead us through like an opening ritual so what she'll do is just lightly invite the singing bowl in and then she'll ask us to call the names of any ancestors or guides that we want in the space with us Hmm. the first time that happened I was like a little overwhelmed (laughs) but every week when I went back well every other week when I went back I would think about my grandmother and how Hmm. I wanted to get to know a little bit more about her story and her journey and thinking about how could I do that through sitting meditations Hmm. and so eventually I got to the point where I felt comfortable enough to call her name And through that, I was able to kind of establish a very different relationship to my maternal grandmother than I had, you know, when she was still on this plane of existence. Mm -hmm. And so... How so? Like, what did that feel like? um, Just kind of thinking about the things that she had to move through. Um, Like what? my, My grandmother grew up in West Virginia. She's a very poor, rural family. She was one of eight This is like Jim Crow South at this time. And I just lived through trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think about like, what were the compromises she had to make to raise my mother? What were the compromises she had to make? What were the levels of resilience in her story? She lived through an emotionally abusive relationship for a large part of her adult life. Wow. Um, I got to know a little bit more about things that I thought were just eccentricities when I was <laughs> younger through just sitting meditations and through allowing myself time after meditation to kind of sit and reflect on her life story as I know it now. Yeah, that's so powerful. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the things you uncovered about your grandmother mm. in this process. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm sure there, there were so many things that just blew your mind and, and taught you about her and also yourself. Yeah. What were those things? When my grandfather was kind of on one of his rants and raves, um, one of the things that she would do was just start singing hymns. Hmm. I mean, loud, like, like mm-hmm. loudly. What's a hymn that she would sing? She would sing, um, the one that's like, I come to the garden alone, mm-hmm. um, which was always funny because like my granddad would be right there and she's <laughs> singing a song about like that. being alone, like her and, that's kind of perfect. Her and God. <laughs> um, so she would just sing these like hymns and these like older songs that she knew. Mm-hmm. And at first I just thought it was just to drown him out. You know, and mm-hmm. I think to a certain extent that, that was the case. So he'd be yelling. Mm-hmm. She'd be singing hymns yes. at full volume. And, and doing whatever else, like continuing to do and whatever. And they'd be in the same was, room and it would just, that, that like cacophony would just kind of yeah. like yeah. resonate in the room <laughs> for how long? Yeah. Sometimes it was hours. As I've gotten older and as I've engaged more with her story and her journey and try to understand more of who she was and is as a person, I also understand that as a tool of embodiment and almost like a ritual towards resilience for her. Interesting. Um, And I noticed this because whenever I'm feeling very upset, whenever I'm feeling shaken up or when, you know, chronic illness is too much and like folks with able bodies are just on my nerves and like (laughs) all of these different things, like I find myself singing whatever those songs are. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a gut impulse reaction response because it's a way I think of saying like 
I'm here and I'm not going anywhere and you're going to hear my voice. But I think that singing and that statement of voice was really what kept her through some very, very difficult times. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I love grandmothers. (laughs) They're like, they have so much to teach us. (laughs) They do. They do. Uh, I think about my grandmother all the time. Yeah. That's awesome. So what do you want to talk about that you normally don't get asked? In a lot of conversations around chronic illness, disability, all of those things, people don't usually ask how I'm feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm there to talk about chronic illness and disability and all of those things. But I think people either not prepared to ask the question because they might have already imagined the answer (laughs) or maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think that's a question that I wish in general we asked each other more Hmm. because it encourages us to be more embodied. But don't we always fall in the trap of just being like, good, good, good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because you never know if if anyone, if people are asking you genuinely. Right. Because you don't like like sometimes I'm like, are you do you really want to know or am I just going to end up in this territory of like, oversharing and making you regret asking the question. (laughs) You know, in circumstances like that, I'm like, you know, if they're uncomfortable, that's their work. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mantra Um, of the year. You know, that is their work. Um, Yes. Because I'm just speaking my reality. Mm -hmm. I'm just speaking how I feel. And that has nothing to do with that person or how they perceive me. And I think it's just, it's important to build a level of empathy and coping with things when they're not fine Mm -hmm. because life is not always fine. Right. I always ask myself, like, when does it become dishonesty? Or as my grandma would say, like, when are you now, like, telling a story? Mm. She didn't really like to say lie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, like, when are you just telling a story of, like, I'm fine Mm -hmm. when you're not? And if we were honest, like, how would that inform our interactions with each other? How would that inform even, like, the questions that we ask each other and could we get to a more intimate space if we answered that question honestly right hey this is the part of the show where we bring in kaleidoscope's co-founder and pastor in residence aaron james brown what, what? hey aaron oh hey so aaron yes. was there any moment that like really stood out to you from this interview yes what was it? I was really moved by Jade's story of her grandmother singing while her grandfather was yelling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. That's wild. I know. It's like she's in this super rough relationship and she's living through trauma mm. and she still finds a way to make her voice heard. Yes. It's so amazing. And it's like such a reminder that even in the face of repression, we can find ways to assert our voice and our humanity. Yeah. Debbie, it sounds like you know something about that. Mm, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think it's so tempting to become silent when we feel powerless, but yeah. have you ever felt that way and did you find your voice? Yeah. This feels like the story of womanhood throughout history. Am <laughs> okay. I right? <laughs> okay. Can you teach us about it? Well, I have a super recent story. Okay. Can I spill? Yeah, please. Okay. So there's this house. It's about 10 feet from my house. Hmm. It looks like a cute barn house. Mm. It's also super old. And I just found out that there are developers that are going to demolish it and then replace it oh. with condos. Oh. And Aaron, you know that I've been reporting a story about lead poisoning in America. Yes. And basically like finding out like the most horrific facts and stories about 
how badly people are affected by this. Mm. And given what I know about this house, there's a huge chance that there's lead in this house and that it will be released as lead dust during the demolition process. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's horrifying. Debbie, how does that affect your family? You have a kid. Yeah, I yeah I have a kid. I've got a baby brewing. I've got mm. my own body to care for. Right. And there's, like, kids and families all in my neighborhood. And there are no policies or procedures in place that actually protect us from this, which is just so alarming. Yeah. So I actually organized my neighborhood to come together and go to this meeting of um, village officials and make <laughs> our you. voices heard. <laughs> yeah. And it was horrible because we went and we all had like our statements prepared and they totally shut us down. They're just uh. like, yeah, this is irrelevant. Talk to someone else. Uh. And it just made me feel really powerless in that moment. But Jade's grandmother reminds me that even though I feel powerless, I need to make my voice heard. I have to keep fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud and happy for you that you kept fighting and using your voice in that way. There are other lessons, too, from Jade's grandmother's story that I really like. Like, while it must have been a traumatic experience to have someone yelling at you for hours at a time, Jade's grandmother persisted in joy and her determination to care for herself. And Mm -hmm. we we often internalize stress. Our bodies, like, hold these moments of anger and fear and pain. And Jade's grandmother Mm -hmm. found a way to expel all of that stress and anxiety out of the situation and her body by using her voice. There are studies that show that singing is one of the best ways to raise your endorphins and promote better thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard of anyone using song yeah. to help themselves? I, I am not a singer myself. <laughs> but I was at a conference once and I heard a pastor talking about how when she wakes up in the middle of the night feeling anxious, she just starts belting out loud <laughs> songs in bed. Like, I don't think she's sharing her bed with anyone. Oh Otherwise, gosh. that'd be terrifying. But. She said that it's one of the best ways to, like, change how you're thinking by pushing the air out of your body and taking deep inhalations. And pretty soon your brain calms down and is able to keep moving. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you do this? Like, ever since hearing that, like, do you do this and what's your song? Uh, Well, I, as I said, I'm not a super awesome oh, singer, on. but I will, <laughs> on occasion while driving, belt out, like, Beyonce's Crazy in Love is <laughs> yes. my jam. That's amazing. Yeah. What's your what song do you sing to like help yourself feel better and remind yourself to keep using your voice? So many songs. Yeah. Um, I have quite the repertoire. Um, name your best karaoke song. <laughs> but I'd what? have to say the one that I keep coming back to and the one that applies to like all situations is <laughs> Erasure's A Little Respect. Yes. Mm. So good. Good for you. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was an amazing episode and I thank you again for just joining me on Kaleidoscope to debrief and hash all this out you got it dude all right I will see you next week Aaron see you soon Bye. bye all right that's it for this episode remember next week closes out season one we do have a special bonus episode in the works that will drop later this summer so keep us in your feeds and help keep this podcast going into season two support us financially and or connect us with any funding leads you might have our patreon account is kscope pod our email is kscopepod at gmail.com 
Kaleidoscope is produced by Annie Newen with amazing support by co-founder Aaron James Brown. I'm your host, Deborah Jian Lee. You can find out more about the show at kscopepod.com. Our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all at kscopepod. Thanks to the BTS Center for funding season one. Listen and drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen on Radio Public, where we get a few coins for each listen. All right. See you next episode. In the meantime, let the world see you. When they do, they'll never be the same. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 